Section 14 of the Underground Railroad, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 5, by William Still. Section 14. Portraits and Sketches. William Lloyd Garrison. Part three. Sir, we heartily welcome you to England, in the name of thousands of Englishmen who have watched with admiring sympathy your labors for the redemption of the Negro race from slavery, and for that which is a higher object than the redemption of any single race, the vindication of the universal principles of humanity and justice, and who, having sympathized with you in the struggle, now rejoice with you in the victory. Forty years ago, when you commenced your efforts, slavery appeared to be rapidly advancing to complete ascendancy in America. Not only was it dominant in the southern states, but even in the free states it had bowed the constituencies, society, and in too many instances even the churches, to its will. Commerce, linked to it by interest, lent it her support. A great party, compactly organized and vigorously wielded, placed in its hands the power of the state. It bestowed political offices and honors, and was thereby enabled to command the apostate homage of political ambition. Other nations felt the prevalence in your national councils of its insolent and domineering spirit. There was a moment, most critical in the history of America and of the world, when it seemed as though that continent, with all its resources and all its hopes, was about to become the heritage of the slave power. But providence interposes to prevent the permanent triumph of evil. It interposes not visibly or by the thunderbolt, but by inspiring and sustaining high moral effort and heroic lives. You commenced your crusade against slavery in isolation, in weakness, and in obscurity. The emissaries of authority with difficulty found the office of the liberator, in a mean room, where its editor was aided only by a negro boy, and supported by a few insignificant persons, so the officers termed them, of all colors. You were denounced, persecuted, and hunted down by mobs of wealthy men, alarmed for the interests of their class. You were led out by one of these mobs, and saved from their violence and the imminent peril of death, almost by a miracle. You were not turned from your path of devotion to your cause and to the highest interests of your country, by denunciation, persecution, or the fear of death. You have lived to stand victorious and honored in the very stronghold of slavery, to see the flag of the Republic now truly free replace the flag of slavery on Fort Sumter, and to proclaim the doctrines of the Liberator in the city and beside the grave of Calhoun. Enemies of war, we most heartily wish, and doubt not that you wish as heartily as we do, that this deliverance could have been wrought out by peaceful means. But the fierce passions engendered by slavery in the slave-owner determined it otherwise, and we feel at liberty to rejoice, since the struggle was inevitable, that its issue has been the preservation, not the extinction, of all that we hold most dear. We are, however, not more thankful for the victories of freedom in the field than for the moderation and mercy shown by the victors, 
which have exalted and hallowed their cause and ours in the eyes of all nations we shall now watch with anxious hope the development amidst the difficulties which still beset the regeneration of the south of a happier order of things in the states rescued from slavery and the growth of free communities in which your name with the names of your fellow workers in the same cause will be held in grateful and lasting remembrance once more we welcome you to a country in which you will find many sincere admirers and warm friends earl russell and john stuart mill m p at the close of this address followed with most eloquent speeches conferring on the honored guest the highest praise for his lifelong and successful labors in the cause of freedom after these gentlemen had taken their seats the chairman proposed that the address should be passed unanimously the chairman's call was responded to by the whole assemblage lifting up their hands and mr garrison presenting himself in front of the platform was received with an enthusiastic burst of cheering hats and handkerchiefs being waved by nearly all present speech of mr garrison mr garrison said mr chairman ladies and gentlemen for this marked expression of your personal respect and appreciation of my labors in the cause of human freedom and of your esteem and friendship for the land of my nativity i offer you one and all my grateful acknowledgments but i am so profoundly impressed by the formidable array of rank genius intellect scholarship and moral and religious worth which i see before me that i fear i shall not be able to address you except with a fluttering pulse and a stammering tongue for me this is indeed an anomalous position assuredly this is treatment with which i have not been familiar for more than thirty years i had to look the fierce and unrelenting hostility of my countrymen in the face with few to cheer me onward in all the south i was an outlaw and could not have gone there though an american citizen guiltless of wrong and though that flag here the speaker pointed to the united states ensign had been over my head except at the peril of my life nay with the certainty of finding a bloody grave hear hear in all the north i was looked upon with hatred and contempt the whole nation subjugated to the awful power of slavery rose up in mobocratic tumult against any and every effort to liberate the millions held in bondage on its soil and yet i demanded nothing that was not perfectly just and reasonable in exact accordance with the declaration of american independence and the golden rule i was not the enemy of any man living i cherish no personal enmities i know nothing of them in my heart even whilst the southern slaveholders were seeking my destruction i never for a moment entertained any other feeling toward them than an earnest desire under god to deliver them from a deadly curse and an awful sin hear hear it was neither a sectional nor a personal matter at all it had exclusive reference to the eternal law of justice between man and man and the rights of human nature itself sir i always found in america that a shower of brickbats had a remarkably tonic effect materially strengthening to the backbone laughter but sir the shower of compliments and applause which has greeted me on this occasion would assuredly cause my heart to fail me were it not that this generous reception is only incidentally personal to myself hear hear 
you ladies and gentlemen are here mainly to celebrate the triumph of humanity over its most brutal foes to rejoice that universal emancipation has at last been proclaimed throughout the united states and to express as you have already done through the mouths of the eloquent speakers who have preceded me sentiments of peace and goodwill toward the american republic sure i am that these sentiments will be heartily reciprocated by my countrymen cheers i must here disclaim with all sincerity of soul any special praise for anything that i have done i have simply tried to maintain the integrity of my soul before god and to do my duty cheers i have refused to go with the multitude to do evil i have endeavored to save my country from ruin i have sought to liberate such as were held captive in the house of bondage but all this i ought to have done and now rejoicing here with you at the marvelous change which has taken place across the atlantic i am unable to express the satisfaction i feel in believing that henceforth my country will be a mighty power for good in the world while she held a seventh portion of her vast population in a state of chattelism it was in vain that she boasted of her democratic principles and her free institutions ostentatiously holding her declaration of independence in one hand and brutally wielding her slave-driving lash in the other marvellous inconsistency and unparalleled assurance but now god be praised she is free free to advance the cause of liberty throughout the world loud cheers sir this is not the first time i have been in england i have been here three times before on anti-slavery missions and wherever i travelled i was always exultantly told slaves cannot breathe in england now at last i am at liberty to say and i came over with the purpose to say it slaves cannot breathe in america cheers and so england and america stand side by side in the cause of negro emancipation and side by side may they stand in all that is just and noble and good leading the way gloriously in the world's redemption loud cheers i came to this country for the first time in eighteen thirty three to undeceive wilberforce clarkson and other eminent philanthropists in regard to the real character tendency and object of the american colonization society i am happy to say that i quickly succeeded in doing so before leaving i had the pleasure of receiving a protest against that society as an obstruction to the cause of freedom throughout the world and consequently as undeserving of british confidence and patronage signed by william wilberforce thomas fowell buxton zachary macaulay and other illustrious philanthropists on arriving in london i received a polite invitation by letter from mr buxton to take breakfast with him presenting myself at the appointed time when my name was announced instead of coming forward promptly to take me by the hand he scrutinized me from head to foot and then inquired somewhat dubiously have i the pleasure of addressing mr garrison of boston in the united states yes sir i replied i am he and i am here in accordance with your invitation lifting up his hands he exclaimed why my dear sir i thought you were a black man and i have consequently invited this company of ladies and gentlemen to be present to welcome mr garrison 
the black advocate of emancipation from the United States of America. Laughter. I have often said, sir, that that is the only compliment I have ever had paid to me that I care to remember or tell of, for Mr. Buxton had somehow or other supposed that no white American could plead for those in bondage as I had done, and therefore I must be black. Laughter. It is indeed true, sir, that I have had no other rule by which to be guided than this. I never cared to know precisely how many stripes were inflicted on the slaves. I never deemed it necessary to go down into the southern states, if I could have gone, for the purpose of taking the exact dimensions of the slave system. I made it, from the start, and always, my own cause, thus. Did I want to be a slave? No. Did God make me to be a slave? No. But I am only a man, only one of the human race. And if not created to be a slave, then no other human being was made for that purpose. My wife and children, dearer to me than my heart's blood, were they made for the auction block? Never. And so it was all very easily settled here, pointing to his breast. Great cheering. I could not help being an uncompromising abolitionist. Here, allow me to pay a brief tribute to the American abolitionists. Putting myself entirely out of the question, I believe that in no land at any time was there ever a more devoted, self-sacrificing, and uncompromising band of men and women. Nothing can be said to their credit which they do not deserve. With apostolic zeal they counted nothing dear to them, for the sake of the slave, and him dehumanized. But whatever has been achieved through them is all of God, to whom alone is the glory due. Thankful are we all that we have been permitted to live to see this day, for our country's sake, and for the sake of mankind. Of course we are glad that our reproach is at last taken away, for it is very desirable, if possible, to have the good opinions of our fellow-men. But if, to secure these, we must sell our manhood and sully our souls, then their bad opinions of us are to be coveted instead. Sir, my special part in this grand struggle was in first unfurling the banner of immediate and unconditional emancipation, and attempting to make a common rally under it. This I did, not in a free state, but in the city of Baltimore, in the slaveholding state of Maryland. It was not long before I was arrested, tried, condemned by a packed jury, and incarcerated in prison for my anti-slavery sentiments. This was in 1830. In 1864 I went to Baltimore for the first time since my imprisonment. I do not think that I could have gone at an earlier period except at the peril of my life, and then only because the American government was there in force holding the rebel elements in subserviency. I was naturally curious to see the old prison again, and if possible to get into my old cell. But when I went to the spot, behold, the prison had vanished, and so I was greatly disappointed. Laughter. On going to Washington, I mentioned to President Lincoln the disappointment I had met with. With a smiling countenance and a ready wit, he replied, So, Mr. Garrison, the difference between 1830 and 1864 appears to be this. In 1830 you could not get out, and in 1864 you could not get in. Great Laughter 
this was not only wittily said but it truthfully indicated the wonderful revolution that had taken place in maryland for she had adopted the very doctrine for which she imprisoned me and given immediate and unconditional emancipation to her eighty thousand slaves cheers i commenced the publication of the liberator in boston on the first of january eighteen thirty one at that time i was very little known without allies without means without subscribers yet no sooner did that little sheet make its appearance than the south was thrown into convulsions as if it had suddenly been invaded by an army with banners notwithstanding the whole country was on the side of the slave power the church the state all parties all denominations ready to do its bidding oh the potency of truth and the inherent weakness and conscious insecurity of great wrong immediately a reward of five thousand dollars was offered for my apprehension by the state of georgia when general sherman was making his victorious march through that state it occurred to me but too late that i ought to have accompanied him and in person claimed the reward laughter but i remembered that had i done so i should have had to take my pay in confederate currency and therefore it would not have paid travelling expenses renewed laughter where is southern slavery now cheers henceforth through all coming time advocates of justice and friends of reform be not discouraged for you will and you must succeed if you have a righteous cause no matter at the outset how few may be disposed to rally round the standard you have raised if you battle unflinchingly and without compromise if yours be a faith that cannot be shaken because it is linked to the eternal throne it is only a question of time when victory shall come to reward your toils seemingly no system of iniquity was ever more strongly entrenched or more sure and absolute in its sway than that of american slavery yet it has perished in the earthquake god has spoken he has smitten with his thunder the iron walls asunder and the gates of brass are broken so it has been so it is so it ever will be throughout the earth in every conflict for the right great cheering ladies and gentlemen i began my advocacy of the anti-slavery cause at the north in the midst of brickbats and rotten eggs i ended it on the soil of south carolina almost literally buried beneath the wreaths and flowers which were heaped upon me by her liberal bondmen cheers End of section 14